0: This is one of those messages that is very convicting. And, and I want you guys to know that sometimes I am raring to preach. I'm excited. I, I, I mean, not that I'm not today. But I, I started this two weeks ago because I was so burdened about our nation. And the more I got into it, the more I realized that God, God speaks to us. and says, I, I, I need you to understand your calling, who you are what you represent, and what you're meant to be, which is different. And so I, I'm asking you to turn in your Bible back to our passage, and we're going to stay in this for a while, Matthew chapter 7, and verse 28, and then we're going to jump back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. But while you turn there, I'm going to read a, a verse, and I just want you to soak it up. I want you to listen to this. When He said, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that, that because you're holy and, and peculiar and, and chosen by God, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, I want to show the world the difference that I make. And I, I'm asking my people, I'm choosing my people to be the light bulbs, is what God is saying. To shine out, to show the difference. Because the world right now is reaching around in the dark and they're just thinking what is right and what is wrong. And when there's no difference, there's no distinction between the world and God's people, then what are they going to cling to or turn to? I'm going to say something. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I want you guys to hear this. We live in exciting times. Now, if I was to say... (laughs) We live in broken times, the church would have been, amen. If I was to say we live in hurting times or changing times, we would have said amen. But for me to get up here and say we live in exciting times, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what world or what TV you've been watching, but that is not true about this. Can I tell you, I, I, I wanted, when I started this series, my goal was to teach and preach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived in troublesome times. I mean, you talk about getting out there and seeing the statue and them turn around and say, when we play all the forms of music and you hear this and at our signal, every one of you are going to bow down and worship that statue. And they're going, whoa, this is wrong. This is not right. Thinking, hey, half this nation is going to stand up and not do that. So they play the music. Guess what happens? Every single one of them bow down except who? shadrach meshach and abednego you talk about standing out like a sore thumb is all these people that go hey this is what everybody's doing and this is what's accepted okay and everybody just bows down and does it and they say i don't care if everybody's doing it i don't care if this is the way of the world i don't care if they say because the leadership says this is right we are not bowing turn around and say yeah that's a great story, Pastor Turner, because they were thrown into the fire. When you stand for God, you're going to experience the fire. Very, very true. But the exciting times is the fact that God stands with you in the fire. And the fact is that through the fire, they turn around and said, Isn't there four guys in that fire? I thought we threw three in there. There's four guys in there. Through them going through the fire, they saw God. And maybe this nation needs to see us stand up, maybe go through a little fire, and you're like, Lord, let's not pray that prayer, Pastor Tony. All right, we'll pray for God's blessing and God bless uh, America, but not that prayer right there. But it starts with us. And I just think that maybe God's going to do something really, really awesome in America. And maybe God's going to shake us up and, and, and do something, and God's just going, quit saying oh me and start praying out and crying out to, oh God, we need you. Change your perspective. We started in this passage about, or I ended, I was saying, hey, let's jump to the end of the passage about the storm coming through. And, and they were falling apart. They built their house on the sand and they fell apart. And God said, let me tell you the difference of those that build their house upon the sand and those that build their house upon the rock. When the storm came and the wind blew and the waters raised up around them, the Bible says, and it, when it was over, the, the, the house on the rock stood still. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something. Did you notice that the house on the rock still went through the storm? The house on the rock still experienced the beating of the wind and the, the raising of the water and, and the pouring down of the rain? You sit there and say, I follow God and I'm going through all this. Yes, nowhere in the Bible does it say you are not going to experience problems because you're on the rock. And sometimes we sit there and get all messed up. Like I don't understand God's upset when we live in a cursed world full of sin. There, there's a God of this world with the little G. Whose name is Satan. Who is not in favor of what we're doing here today. And he doesn't like it. But I want to show you how he stressed the difference that Christ makes in our life. Matthew seven twenty eight. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. The people... We're astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having an authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Lord, be with us as we walk through your instructions on being different. Lord, help us to understand that when we are different, we make a difference. Lord, help us to understand that all of this begins with us. Right here in the local church, our Bibles in our laps, the Spirit of God in our hearts, and our eyes focused on you. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. It says, these people gathered around, and, and you say, what were they astonished at? Well, that's where we're going to get into today. I want you to see, when Jesus started teaching and saying how they were different see the pharisees were these pompous arrogant built up point wrong at everybody see they're wrong what are you doing they'd walk through the city they had they were all decked out in the colors and the the robes and all this and they would sit there and point out how you don't pray right and how you do and he went up to jesus and confronted jesus about not doing things right and man everybody looked at them as that's what it's all about and jesus sat there and says let me tell you guys You really want to make a difference? Certainly not what you're seeing in those guys. God was teaching them to be radically different. And I know sometimes that that word scares us, the the idea of being radical. But I I looked it up. That word radical means to be thoroughly different, different in every way. It's, it's, It's not just an outward or an appearance of something. The word radical means totally from the inside out. It's not just going to church. It's not just being religious. It's not just being promoters of good and and protesters of bad. And I think that's kind of the idea that we get this idea that we're going to make a difference because we stand up there and we hold up a sign and say don't kill babies and all these other things. Jesus was teaching them to be peculiar, to be opposite of the world. Not not saying to be weird, but to be different. And you say, well, I know what that looks like. God says, first of all, let me tell you what that looks like because he's our creator and he has it all worked out. Verse 29, and he says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He said, all these guys, the scribes knew, I mean, they wrote the word. They memorized it. They recorded it. They would walk around and say, Oh, what did they all say about this? And the scribes would say, oh, oh, sir, sir. Um, On the Sabbath, they were not to do that. And they, they were the ones that would call attention to right and wrong. They were the ones that knew it. They were the Bible scholars. And the world looked at them and said, hey, wait a minute. I've got Jesus over here and I've got the scribes that know the word of God inside and out. And I'm astonished, I'm amazed, I'm taken back over this. And I fear not having an impact on the world because the world is sitting there scratching their head over our Bible knowledge. But they're not being taken back by our life living it. That's why we got to that passage when he said, blessed is the man that doeth these things. When you do these things and not just know them so let's get into those things matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 what is the radical change in our lives matthew 5:1, 1 in seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying Here is how you are to be different. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The weird spirit right here is not capital S. It's small s talking about the spirit of man. Talking about the inner person. And the Bible says right here, the first thing that he said, I want my church or my people to reflect is to be humbled in their hearts. It's amazing how everything that Jesus said, he lived out before them and just didn't say it. That's why they were astonished at the doctrine. That's why they stood back and said, wow, this man that claims to be the son of God that gives life to the dead and all these miraculous things that he did, and to hear his heart behind what he said. You don't have to turn there. Can I read a little... Uh, clip about our, our, our God our Savior our example Philippians 2 7 it says but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a what's the word servant took on him the form of a servant who was made in the likeness of men and being fashioned as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross Everything that we're reading about right there in that passage is talking about the King of Kings, the Creator of all, the Lord of all. And the Bible says that He came, Jesus came. Now listen to this: took on the form of a servant. Now let me just ask you guys: who did He serve? Just, just, and I mean, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna shake some people, and and you're gonna be like, oh man, I, I feel uncomfortable right now. Jesus, the God of perfection came and was serving sinners. Serving fornicators. Serving backstabbers. Jesus Christ came and out of all the things that he took on the form of a king or took on the form of the authority or took on the form of all the other leaders, he chose to come in the symbol or in the shape or in the form of a Servants. And then he developed his reputation. Hanging out with sinners. Going to the maniac of Gadara that they drug into, this, into the graveyards, guards. Chained him there and said, you leave us alone. Jesus gets out of the ship and says, where's he at? They bring the woman caught in adultery. Throw her to the ground and they turn around and they're all screaming at her. Jesus kneels down and grabs her and pulls her up. Let me tell you, go through scripture and see over and over again. He turned around and he said, if I would have came arrogant and pompous like the Pharisees, but he came humbled as a servant, poor in spirit, different than the Pharisees and different than the world. Let me ask you guys, how big are we about serving the lost? Let me ask you this. How big would you be about going and serving and reaching out and loving a fornicator? Oh my goodness, I can't believe. No, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm trying to pull you back to Jesus Christ. As he's reaching out to people that thought it was all about the outward, the appearance, what they look like, all the knowledge they had. And Jesus says, no, let me start with your hearts. Let me start with the inside See, the thing is, we battle with the me and I in our lives. What I want, how I feel, our opinions drive us, our, our ministries, all these different things. It, 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 it drives us crazy how we view people. All right, since it's a little confession time, let me just be honest. I get ill-spirit. I get aggravated. I don't get into servanthood mindset. When I get around a bunch of boys that wear their pants around their knees, it drives me crazy. It doesn't make sense to me. I have questioned what are the benefits of that. I'm I'm just trying to think. Were you so lazy that you pulled your pants to this and go, "Oh, I'm wore out. I'll just wear them like this all day." <laughs> I went to the courthouse. And there was this guy that walked out of the courthouse and I was there representing somebody or with a, with a family and this dude had to walk with his legs like this to keep his pants from going down. And his sister or girlfriend or whatever was with him and she was joking and she pushed him and he had to put his legs together and they dropped and he went all over the place trying to... And, and I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I sit there and I look at that and I think, come on, grow up, pull your pants out, all this other stuff and here's the thing we get so full of our opinions of people of the outward that we'll sit there and judge them before we even realize they're a soul that needs Jesus Christ. It is amazing how we form opinions and all of a sudden we're not serving them, we're turning our back on them. And the Bible's saying, hey, hey, hey! You're a sinner saved by grace. The same sin debt that they have in their life that blinds them to what they are doing is the same sin debt that I saved you from. Have we been blinded by our blessings? Have we become more like the Pharisees where we walk around and we're judging people and we're looking at people and we write people off and we turn our backs on them and we do not extend a hand of love or mercy or servanthood? This past Wednesday night I I, I spoke our class and we're doing this hermeneutics class of study and i got into this whole thing and we're, we're doing bible studies and using biblical principles to break down scripture at the same time and i said jesus wash judas's feet and then said what thou doest do quickly if i was jesus i would have walked in and said you get out i've got 11 feet to wash i would not have washed his feet just being honest he's a backstabber he turned his back on god He betrayed God, and yet God still knelt down and washed his feet. You know why God was telling them this? Blessed is the poor in spirit, blessed is you. When you get over you, you'll be radically different. Jesus would have never had the ministry that he had if he would have come in anything like the Pharisees, but he came in as a humbled servant, poor in spirit. Humbled in his heart that I must decrease and my father must increase. And that must be the heart and attitude of believers if we're dare to make a difference. Put our eyes on the big picture. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Only when we have this type of attitude do we see what we're living for. Because we are not here for ourselves. We are here for one purpose, and that's not to build Fellowship Baptist Church. It's not even to make a name for Fellowship Baptist Church. It is all for the glory of God and to make big of our God, to make him known, to make him seen, to make him glorified. That's why we're here for the kingdom of God. Radically different. We get into this next one and he says, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. This mourning in this passage is not talking about the loss of a loved one. Although when you hear this word mourn, it is the deepest heart-wrenching outpouring of grief that is recorded in scripture. It is literally talking about facing death or that feeling or that overwhelming feeling of desperation. I said, blessed are they that mourn, for they are the ones that will experience comfort for God. See, the second radical difference was the the brokenness of their sin or broken over their sin. While the Pharisees stood there and pointed out the wrongs of everyone, including Jesus. Oh, just think about that. How they sit there and says, hey, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to go straighten him out. Hey, I saw you guys eating with unwashed hands. Can you imagine putting Jesus in his place? Can you imagine how far off you have to be? It's like, hey, he just raised somebody from the dead. Oh, who does he think he is? You know, it's like how, how off their perspective was. And Jesus said, you, you, guys, you guys want to make a difference? You want to be salt and light in the things that I've called you to do? He gets back in there and he starts talking about first about about being humbled. And then he rolls in this thing about being broken over their sin. And I started getting into scripture and I noticed something. Of the people that God made a radical difference in their life. Those that noticed their sin, that noticed their problems, that noticed their own need. The Bible says in Matthew 2.11, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary their mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Those kings, the magi that walked into his presence fell down and said, I am unworthy. And they cried out and they worshipped that God, their God in front of them. Through the ministry of Jesus, oftentimes we read the words like Mark 3.11, when they saw him, they fell down before him and cried, saying, thou art the son of God. We read the story of the woman with the issue of blood, the maniac of Gadara. Even when uh, Jairus came in and said, my daughter lay sick, every one of those stories gives this description of these people coming in and they fall down and they worship at the feet of Jesus because they realize that they were unworthy coming into the presence of all righteous they were undeserving but God bestowed grace upon them and love upon them in the whole description of blessed are those that are mourning are broken over your own sin you say, why? Well, how, how would this make a difference? See, God is preparing them. You guys know we're about to read the passage. If we keep going, it says, Ye are the light of the world, ye are the salt of the earth. You say, Yes, that's right. We're, we're making the difference. God says, Before you get to those passages, you better read this. Do you know how hard it is for God to bless? We go to church sit there and we're looking around the room and go nudge our husband and say hey did you see how short her dress was hey did you did you see so and so stand up and raise their hand I saw what they posted on Facebook like they have any rights to be raising their hand see somebody coming in and say yeah I saw them out in the parking lot and I saw what they were saying and them arguing with their wife and they think they're all that and never once through the course of that as we give the invitation and you bow your head so that you can see your phone to scan through there to see if you got a text from your wife about suggestions for lunch. God, it's so much that we're so quick to sit there and point out the wrongs of everyone. And Jesus said to them and said, blessed are you when you mourn over your own sin. And that passage in Matthew 7, if we were to go back and forth in there and you see this passage as Jesus is doing this. And he said, guys, he said, you know what do you really good? You you want to talk about judge, not lest you be judged? He said, why don't you pull the beam out of your eye before you start complaining about the twig in your sister and brother's eye? He said, you've gotten to the point where you walk around and you're judging everybody so much and you're so full of yourself that you don't even realize your own sin. Church, have we gotten to the point where we're so saved and so set on the rock and so happy in Jesus That we have placed ourselves above everybody else. But Jesus stood there and he walked over while they were judging people. He was on their knees picking them up. You want to make a difference? I told you this is not the type of message that we're going to sit there and go, Amen, the world is wicked and sinners and they need Jesus and they're on their way to hell. And you, Amen. And then God says, wait, wait, wait. Let me sit down for a minute. Let me talk to my people. Let's do a heart check really fast. Why don't you dig into your heart? Why don't you evaluate your motives? Let me, let me ask you about, are you sitting there mourning over your sin? Or are you still sitting there glaring at the sins of others? This is important. Jesus is the same blessed as a Christian that can see their own sin. Blessed and happy as a person that realizes their own faults. Without brokenness of our sin, we will never have compassion for the sins of others. We will trip up, we'll be, we will be prideful because the idea of pride is the fact that I'm good and I've got it all taken care of and I've got this handled. And God said, no, you don't. Blessed is the happy is the Christians that sit there and weep as you hear about your sin and you realize that you are a sinner just like they are. We continue to the third radical difference. In Matthew 5, 5, when he said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus taught them to be humbled at heart, broken over the sin, and then he talked about being controlled of the spirit. And I was—I'll be honest—I I, I fought with a way of how to word this. See, the word "weak" or "meek" in this passage—it it has a lot of symbolism, even coming from the roots or the definition of the taming of like a horse, a wild animal. You go up to a horse, and the horse has all this power, it, it could actually pull you over or, or pull down a wall. It's, I mean, that's where we get the definition of horsepower and that type of stuff. And Jesus was given this illustration about, he said, there, there's got to be a balance. That's what he said, that the meekness is the balance, it's the sweet spot in the middle, because you get one side and that horse has so much strength, but it ought to be tame and timid enough to listen to your voice and feel your hand to be able to be directed as you go through your life. See, in order for God to use us to make a difference, we've got to find that spot in our life. Because I tell you, if if we don't, we're going to be no good for anybody. There cannot be the rollover, sissified Christianity that we see sometimes on TV from TV evangelists. And I'm I'm not trying, trying to be critical or whatever. But if I'm on TV and somebody says, you're a man of God, is that correct? Yes, I am. Let me ask you, is this a sin? Or killing babies is a sin? Or homosexuality is a sin? And you sit there and go, well, well, I'm not, who am I to judge? If God said it, don't be afraid to say it. We ought to be the voice of God. We are the ambassadors of God. And we, we whimper down, we are one extreme or the other. And then the other side is to sit there and hold up our signs and scream in their face. And tell them they're wrong, but never once reach out to help them. You say, what, what side is wrong? What side is right? And the Bible right here is meekness. They took the Son of God. They took the Son of God. They arrested him. He had enough power. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him on the spot. He could have turned around and said, are you the Son of God? When they were put him on trial, and Jesus could have said, yes, I am. Boom, and I mean tore him all to pieces. And I tell you, in, in, our, in our hearts, we're sitting there saying, Sometimes as we see the parades and we see what's going on in our hearts, we're saying, God, I can't wait till he judges them. And God said, have you lost your meekness? Have you realized that when Jesus came and he walked through the middle of sinners and he walked through the middle of their problems, even as he walked up to Calvary and on both sides, they screamed and spit on him and called him everything but what he deserved to be called? As they raised him up and he cried out, Father, forgive them. And on his mind was the guy next to him that said, for today you'll be with me in paradise. Have we lost that example? Have we? The meekness. To realize that we're all sinners saved by grace. The the, the fact that God in all of his power and all of his love opened not his mouth but was led as a lamb to the slaughter. I, I've wondered if I took a chalkboard. And I sat here and I said, Pastor Joe, read through the Gospels. And when we come to something about the Pharisees, we're going to write it out. When we come to something about Jesus, we'll write it out on this side. And then we were to go through our lives. How many of our lives would match more like the Pharisees than it did like Jesus? He said, why, why are you saying all this? They didn't even accept Jesus as the Son of God, because he was so much different than what they were expecting. They were not expecting him to be a friend of sinners. He was not expecting them to him to reach out to the lepers. They had no idea that he would ever bend down and wash the disciples' feet. They said, "I don't know what that is, but that's not the king that we're expecting." But it was the Savior that they needed. We are the ambassadors of Christ. The next part of this has to be the application. Because when we read in that passage earlier, as we did a couple weeks ago, when he said, blessed are you when you do these things, and then you will be like a man that has his house upon the rock. Let, Let me read a passage to you. Let me show you the application when you do these things. Talking about the meekness of that. Let me find a brother in Christ that is messed up. I mean messed up. I mean blew it on every angle and everybody knows about it. And everybody, he walks in the church and's like, oh, here comes so and so. Yeah, we know, we know about that guy. What's our attitude towards that? So I read in Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are humbled in spirit, ye which are meek, Ye which have already mourned over your own sin, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. God said there's got to be a spirit of meekness where you're not going in there just to rip off his head and say you did wrong. And you're not walking in there to say, ah, oh, everybody sins, we'll ignore this, it's not a big deal because God said sin must be dealt with the right way. But we're in a problem when we sit there and we Downplay it like it's nothing. We're in a problem when we sit over here and we rip people's faces off and we have no heart to restore them back to Jesus Christ. And he says in the rest of this restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens. You know what that's talking about? Serve one another. Get into that person's life, pick them up, and help them get back to Jesus Christ. Put them back where they were. That word restoration, when you get into it, it's a cool word because it doesn't mean that it's going to be overhauled. It does not mean anything of the fact of try to patch it back together. It means restore it to its original state. And I am not saying that there's not scars in people's lives, but I tell you, somebody that has fallen in sin has just as much right to praise God, worship God, and serve God as you do. We live in a world that, that looks like Christians coming out of the war zone. Parents that are leading kids that, that went away from God or got into trouble. And, I, and I've realized that it's, it's a complicated, sick world that we live in. There's got to be a place where we can go. And when I've messed up or my kids have messed up, and you come along with me and you pick me up and you say, Pastor Tony or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, we will get through this and you're not alone and it could have been me and I've messed up in the spirit of weakness, but let me tell you, the problem is when we have a church that is not those that are spiritual, but when we're carnal, we're walking out to the car going, I can't believe they had no rights. Thank God he showed us the spirit of meekness. Because where would we be today? For a man thinketh of himself to be something. When he is nothing. He deceiveth his own self. Let me close with this and just kind of opening it up for where we're going next. He said, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek person shall obtain everything that Christ has for them. But blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Jesus rolls into this thing and he says, let me tell you guys. Give me somebody that recognizes their sin and is broken over it. You sit there and say, Pastor Tony, I am am nobody. I tell you, I, I mess up so much. I, I, I beat on heaven's door with my apologies every single day. You guys know what I'm talking about. You sit there and say, I, I, I am broken. I, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm nothing. And Lord, I'm sorry you come there. And you, you get up from that state. You're going to find yourself. Those are all contingent upon the other. You take a humble person. That humble person will bow before God and pour out their sin. You take a humble person that pours their heart out before God. You pick that person up. They're going to stand up in a spirit of meekness. Who am I? Man, let's go get more of these. Let's show them the love of God. Let's show them the grace of God. Let's show them the righteousness of God. And all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to put something in your life. You're going to crave hunger, thirst, desire more of what I just told you about. To hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus is preparing them. And all these things that we're talking about to be the light of the world. To be the salt of the earth. But everything that he mentioned, he was reaching down to those that he as He sat there on the side of that mountain and he said, look within your heart. Hey, Pharisees, quit looking over there. Look in the mirror. Church, quit looking out there. We need to take the spiritual mirror of God and say, God, am, am I what I need to be?